0: For more than 35 years, Atlanta tunes into Money Talks. For more information on 401ks, mortgages, retirement, and investment strategies, tune in and listen to Money Talks, hosted by Hensler Financial. Check it out now at Hensler.com.
1: Welcome to the Marietta Daily Journal podcast. I'm Dan Ratcliffe. During the week, you'll get the local news for Marietta, Kennesaw, Smyrna, and all of Cobb County right here. And on Sundays, like today, you'll find the Cobb Life Sunday Podcast, where we talk to newsmakers, local celebrities, and people making a difference right here in our community.
2: From the Hensler Financial Studio, welcome to Cobb Life, proudly brought to you by the Marietta Daily Journal. I'm Keith Ippolito, representing the BG Ad Group, and we're excited to have you join us for this latest episode. Our show's lineup is brought to you by Credit Union of Georgia. In today's episode, we have the privilege of hearing from a group of veterans who served our country across various branches also joining us is brad hawkins director of the aviation history and technology center who helped facilitate these insightful conversations these incredible men will share their personal stories as veterans they reflect on what veterans day truly means to them offering unique perspectives on their service and sacrifice stay tuned as we honor and hear from these remarkable individuals their narratives and experiences are sure to inspire and remind us all the valor and dedication embodied by our veterans it's sunday it's Cobb life so stick around to hear what's next Welcome back to Cobb Life. First off, we'll hear from Aviation History and Technology Center Director Brad Hawkins, and here's that conversation. I'm with Brad Hawkins, director at the Aviation Museum. Brad, it's always good to see you, man. I really appreciate you setting all this up for me today. So I, you guys had an event this past weekend. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that and what happened? I believe it was called the Give Thanks event, right?
5: Yeah, the um, Give Thanks Veteran Appreciation Celebration. Uh, we co-hosted with United Military Care out at East Cobb Park last week. And it was it was really great day. It was a great event. We had great weather. We had a number of people. People that came out to event a number of local elected officials and some other dignitaries um, we had a lot of veterans most importantly uh, and there was enough people out there that we are able to show some appreciation we had some fun activities that were going on with youths and, and the families and a number of the veterans came up to me and, and just expressed their gratitude for United Military Care and the Aviation History and Technology Center, taking the time and taking the initiative to just give thanks. It's a simple gesture. And we were fortunate to have the veterinary clinic and, and some others come on board as sponsors to help make the event possible. But United Military Care is doing amazing work. Um, you know, they're, one of their, their slogans is one veteran questioning their life or their service is one too many. And, and that really rings true. And I mean, it's something that they're mission is is to support you know a lot of different struggles that veterans have and you heard from a number of people today that you know they kind of have their lives in in good order at this point many years after their military service but not every veteran has that same opportunity or has that same good fortune to to come home and to transition and not struggle and so it's it's awesome to be able to partner with groups like united military care and see the the, the work that kim and and Peggy are doing over there and, and see how much it means means to the community, see how we can help play a part in that, how we can help be a spoke, so to speak, in the wheel that supports our veterans in this community. We have a lot of them, you know, 70, 80,000. So just here in Cobb County and and in the surrounding area, it's it's immense, but it's a simple gesture. And I love the simple nature of give thanks. We all can support our military community with just a simple gesture uh, saying thank you.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, Give Thanks is a perfect name for an event like that because it's simple. That's all it really takes. The last conversation we had, or I had you on, you talked about you know loving you know loving being a a voice for veterans in the community. Can you just talk about that a little bit and you know why you feel so passionate about this?
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say I give a voice or I, I am a voice for the veteran community as much as I want to have their voices be heard and give them a platform. And education is kind of the root of all things positive, positive. and so getting the casual guests, the, the, the local, you know, public population, getting them to think more than just one day a year or just one month. But we have the fortune here, good fortune here in the community to have, you know, local military installations. And we think about the quantity and really the quality of people that that has brought into our community and how all of our lives are better for that. That's an area that, that we can challenge people to think about our military members in this community, both past and current. So that's one of those things. I love being an ally and And it's just simply, uh, I did not serve in the military, and I feel that this is my opportunity to serve our country, serve my community, and build a better community through really what is a simple gesture and just continuing to be a platform that allows people to understand and and at least look. We're never going to replicate or fully understand what some of these men and women in our armed services have experienced or seen or been through, but we can at least comprehend their sacrifice. And, And that in itself deserves a appreciation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my biggest takeaways after talking to all these guys today is, you know, the sacrifice of being away from your family, friends and family. So yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Veterans Day isn't enough. It should be a 365 day a year thing. Now going forward, what other events is is the center doing for events, or can you? Is there anything else coming in the cards?
5: Yeah, so one of the the things that I'm working on for 2024 is having more veterans tell their story. So maybe it's just I, I haven't worked out all the details, but maybe it's going to be something that is a monthly series, or, or you know, something where one Saturday a month we have a local veteran or somebody that's visiting just tell their story and be able to have the public come out and engage and hear it because a lot of times in the news and, 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 you know, books and things like that, you get the really, really, really uh, amazing stories, but every story of everybody that made a sacrifice is amazing. If you think about it. And I mean, you heard a number of the, the folks today talk about, you know, their, their spouses raised their kids and, you know, some other things cause they were away. And I mean, they you know, sometimes it was a long deployment. Sometimes it was only a couple weeks of flight, but it was regular. Those are the sacrifices that don't get enough attention. The, the things that they've seen, the, the PTSD that they suffer from, From It is truly remarkable how much of an impact we can have as individual citizens, how much we can be an ally. Being an ally is being a good person, making their fight and their service to our nation um, a worthwhile endeavor. All right. Well,
2: before we wrap up, the last time we spoke, you said you were reading Kelly Johnson's book. Do you have anything for me on this or no?
5: it was uh Lucius Clay's oh, book is that I'm reading and I still have only gotten a few more chapters into it. Remarkable. I, I still don't know that I'm, I'm ready to to brief you on him. There, there's probably somebody far more prepared than I am. It's, it's casual reading, but at the same time, it's learning about somebody that's from our community. There's so many neat stories and, and I encourage everybody out there that's listening today to take the time to meet some of the local veterans in our community, seek them out, teach your children how to recognize them, whether it be a hat, a shirt, you know, we talked about this at the veteran at the at the give thanks. Look for license plates. Look at you know their their bumper stickers. Seek out veterans and try and find them. If they have time, listen. But first and foremost, just reach out and say thank you. They'll know what you're talking about, and I, I am pretty sure it'll put a smile on their face. And it'll go back to what you've heard some of our folks talk about and what a lot of people experience coming home from Vietnam, where they weren't necessarily told "Welcome home." Today, that's a, a thing you know with with Vietnam veterans brother and sisterhood. But we can make sure everybody feels appreciated.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up here. Brad, I appreciate the time. And this has been a wonderful experience. And seeing the facility for the first time, I am completely impressed.
5: Looking for the most stylish haircuts, luminous
6: hair color, exceptional extensions, and amazing conditioning services? Try Elan Salon, Cobb's favorite salon, and a six-time winner of Best Hair Salon in the Best of Cobb. Their highly skilled and educated staff will turn the hair of your dreams into reality by creating an
2: individualized style that flatters your unique features. Schedule an appointment today at elansalon.com and discover for yourself why Elan is the salon that's
5: all about you.
2: Welcome back to Cobb Life. Next, we'll hear from Bob Higgins, who served in the Air Force. And here's that conversation. Why did you sign up to
4: join this, join the military, and what branch were you in? Well, I was in the Air Force, and uh, the reason I signed up, this was 1965. Okay. And the Vietnam War was going on. And if you didn't sign up, and you weren't didn't have an educational deferment, and you were medically okay... Yeah. You were eligible for the draft, uh-huh. and that meant that you would be either, you go into either the Air Force, I'm sorry, either the Marine Corps or the Army. Okay. I decided that I would go into the Air Force instead, uh-huh. uh, which was probably one of my second best decision I ever made in my life. Let's say it was, so what was your first best decision? Marrying my wife. I, was, I, was, I was thought you were going to go that <laughs> route. <laughs> okay. So, so, Can I tell you a little bit about yeah. myself? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I'm not a Cobb County native. Okay. But I've lived here since I was 11 years old. Well, you might as, I, so you might as I well, live, yeah. I live, my parents grew up in Atlanta. Where? So where are you originally from? I, well, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. And my But my parents were from Atlanta. Both grew up right near Piedmont Park in Atlanta. And I have second great grandfathers, two mm. of them, that are buried in Cobb County. Oh, Wow. Uh, they both served in the military. Okay. They were on the losing side in the Civil War. Okay. And uh, but one's buried south of Smyrna at Collins Springs Baptist okay. Church Cemetery, and the other one's in Austin. So
2: military is goes in is
4: in your Now my father your, never my, your, my your, father never served. Okay. He was deferred. He was blind in one eye, oh. and he also worked for the railroad during World War II, which was a critical industry. So he never served but, he, but he has three brothers that all three served two of them in europe during world war ii okay and so i grew up in smyrna graduated from campbell high school went to work at lockheed right out of high school okay. at that time they were hiring people that uh had zero qualifications yeah left and yeah yeah it didn't matter and so uh, and i worked on the, the model airplane that we're sitting in right now okay uh for a couple of years and then because of the draft the fear of being drafted mm-hmm. i joined the air force to get more education in and, aerospace and this was you said this was in 1965 correct 1965 was when i went in yes and how long how long did were you in i was in for four years four years served in illinois uh-huh uh tucson arizona okay ubon thailand okay. that was during vietnam uh, it was it was a vietnam theater but I was at, stationed at a base in Thailand. In Thailand, and, okay. Yeah, I did put my foot on the ground a few times in Vietnam, but I was based in Thailand. Gotcha. And Do then you... I came back to the United States and was stationed in Tampa, Florida, at Okay. Air Force Base, and got out in 1969.
2: Okay. And so you're in Thailand. I know you said you set foot in Vietnam. What was your experience like there? Do you have anything you want to well, talk about from that de- that time in your life?
4: Well, it it was it was really a good experience because i worked on avionic systems on aircraft and repairing basically the autopilot and navigation systems on airplanes okay and um so but we also our unit rebuilt a school in thailand in rural thailand about 20 kilometers from the base there was a dilapidated school and we volunteered our off days to go out and wow rebuilt the school so that was uh, an experience that i Remember, I've got some photographs.
2: So you had, a, you guys had a good relations with the with the Thai people. Yeah, and of, they, they were wonderful. Do you have any friends over there? People that you remained in contact? Not with? any ties
4: No, uh, not any native Thailand yeah, uh, people. But, but people from, in the military. In the military. I have a couple of people that I still am in contact with.
2: Okay, back to when you signed up. I know why you signed up. Do you remember
4: the day and what you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. It was August the uh, 18th of 1965. Uh-huh. It was the date I went in. Uh-huh. Most of the dates that I transferred from base to base, I don't remember, but Uh I think everyone remembers the date that they went to Southeast Asia. And my date that I flew out of Travis Air Force Base in California was December the 2nd, 1906. Uh Came back uh, just in time, actually a couple of days after Thanksgiving, 1967, Mm -hmm. because my parents held off Thanksgiving dinner a couple of days for so that I have Thanksgiving with me being at home. And what were you, do you remember what you were feeling
2: when you left to go? I'm assuming this huh. was the first time you were going to a foreign country, right? Yes, first time out. So Anxious, excited, nervous, saw all the yeah,
4: above. It was an, an, a real experience. Thailand at that time, the first thing that hits you when you, well, when you fly into the country, I was stationed up country at a, at a small base near the Laotian border, but when you fly into Bangkok... They put you into a hotel for about three days until Uh. you can get a flight up country. Okay. And uh, I also went out of country a couple of times to the Philippines. Okay. And each time I would go out of country, I would be laid over in both on my way out and my way back in. Mm -hmm. I'd be laid over in Bangkok, Mm -hmm. which was a really big city. But the Thai people were great. It was totally safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was just sort of like a vacation <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have to apply
2: to leave time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. so when you were went to the Philippines and when you were going to these spots, what what were you doing?
4: There was a training class at school. Gotcha. Uh, it was called a FTD, Field Training Detachment. Okay. All There's right. acronyms for everything. I, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, so you leave the service. When you left, what was the
4: process like? I was actually on military leave of absence from Lockheed. Okay. And so when I came back, I just notified them that I was now out of the service. Uh huh. Went right back to work. My seniority at Lockheed continued while I was in the service, and Lockheed had expanded drastically okay. in those four years. Uh, they had gone from about less than 20,000 employees to over 30,000 employees oh, wow. uh, in 1969, 1970 is when they were building the C-5A program. Uh-huh. And, uh, and of course, me being on military leave of absence and them hiring so many people while I was away mm-hmm. and my seniority continuing on, I came back and when I left to go in the service, I was one of the lowest senior persons in my group. And when I came back, I was the highest senior person other than what we call a lead man yeah. and the crew that I worked in. So, um, and because of my military experience and my training in the military, instead of being a mechanic on an air, working on airplanes, I was now an avionics technician, mm-hmm. which was a better paid job.
2: Gotcha. So, when you think back on your military service, how do you think it shaped your life, your career? What habits, good or bad, do you think it placed on you?
4: Knowing that I was going to be in this interview, I had thought about that a little bit. Okay. And and, uh, and of course, in my case, it definitely led me into the rear aviation okay. industry. Has allowed me and my family to live a very comfortable lifestyle especially since in the beginning, right out of high school, I didn't. So I feel very fortunate that the aviation industry, the things that I learned, that there are a lot of other benefits that go with it. You know, the draft, to me, was my benefit mm-hmm. because it forced me. Today we don't have the draft. Yeah. And I would say that today we have a whole lot more 40-year-olds living their face did when I was there. Yeah. And I think that being forced into more or less forced, forced out of words, mm-hmm. into joining the military it took me away from the family i missed my family but it was a good thing it was a growing process but well, it helped me yeah, grow you're
2: up. probably forced to mature a little bit quicker than most people i would i'm guessing right well probably so <laughs> <laughs> when you think about veterans day now what does veterans day mean to you
4: well it's the day itself, you know, every day is a Veterans Day to me. It really should me. be, yeah. yeah, if we're and being honest. Because I'm, I've am i got lots of friends that are veterans. I've got a couple of friends that I knew 54 years ago when I was in the Air Force that I still stay in contact today. And back then, we didn't have emails and Facebook and stuff like that to stay in communications with people. And so nowadays, it's much easier for people to stay in contact with their friends for school friends uh, but uh, I feel fortunate that i've in fact one of my best friends uh we've and his wife and wife have gone on vacations to europe Alaska visit them regular uh it, you know I cherish that that friendship yeah yeah, and, and that the time that i've you know and I only really had a short time in my life with this individual, but since then I've spent many many hours and trip different trips my good friend lives down in Started.
2: It's the. It sounds like it's a, a lot of the relationships and the bonding,
4: and, uh, like a brotherhood, basically. It is. It is. We all, you know, and because and we joke with each other, especially the different branches, we joke yeah. about about the Air Force being a different lifestyle yes. from the Marines and the Army. <laughs> yeah. I had, yeah,
2: I have family member. So I, father was in the Navy, and then I have cousins and stuff who are in the Marines. And yes, I'm I'm well averse to the banter that goes on between. The,
4: yeah. but, but but we're all brothers.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sisters. Now. Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or what are you doing now? I guess let's well, wrap it up with that. What do what's life like for a well,
4: Bob Higgins? <laughs> I'm hanging out at the Aviation Museum. Uh huh. Another thing that really is unrelated to the, my military duty and the Lockheed is that i spend a lot of time with the boy scouts and uh, in fact well i've actually integrated it with my aviation was that uh, something you did as a child as a child i did but i have a daughter i do not have a son so i never was involved with the scouts for many years but Uh then after my daughter was up and moved away i got interested in doing some backpacking Uh and drove past a um, local scout troop and noticed that that met in a building beside a church, not far from where I live. And it was, it was in the winter time. It was dark and I was driving by and I saw the lights on and I pulled in and, uh, and this was back in about year 2000. Twenty-three years ago, and uh, I went in and said, "I'd like to volunteer." To and so, and I've been really hooked on it. I've done okay. I've done many trips out to New Mexico, up to Canada, down to Florida, to the Georgia coast, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, local camping trips. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the North Georgia mountains and all, and uh, served on on national jamboree mm-hmm. events, uh, and now I teach aviation merit badge. Here at the museum and what what is that well it's a merit badge is something that introduces scouts to different hobbies and careers and different things and there's about 120 something merit badges that are available to scouts okay one of them is aviation merit badge okay and it has requirements and uh they have to complete these requirements a lot of them are knowledge requirements some are hands-on requirements where they build a little model airplane and they draw an instrument panel and they research aviation careers and they have to submit all this to their counselor for approval and then they earn this badge. We've been doing it here at the museum for five years. We do most of it online on Google Classroom, but they follow up with a museum tour here and we introduce them to all of our airplanes and try to get them to see what they learned on the merit badge in person sitting in the cockpit of an airplane, looking at the instruments and seeing that. So, um, so, so far we've been doing this for five years mm-hmm. and uh, the count so far is a little over 500 scouts have earned, earned their merit, aviation badge. merit badge. I think we had 120 or 30 something this year alone. Wow. Uh, the first year we had 57. Okay. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's been very popular and, and hopefully we have, steered a lot of young minds to the technology of aviation and to the career, maybe even to into a career in aviation that might lead their life to be similar to what my
0: life
2: Yeah, was. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I love technology as much as anybody, but when banks replace people with machines, I had to draw a line. I've been with the same bank for 20 plus years, and as cool as technology is, I believe the relationship you have with your bank is an important one. My wife used to bake cookies for the people who worked at our bank, and they were our friends. But in the last couple of years, they were all replaced by video tellers. Recently I sold a vehicle and was paid in cash. I went to deposit it and was told my now former bank no longer accepts cash. Okay. That was it for me. I joined Credit Union of Georgia, a homegrown, not-for-profit cooperative that still offers personalized customer service, a network of more than 30,000 ATMs, and convenient locations. Innovation is great, but trust and relationships still matter, particularly where it comes to your finances. Make the switch today. Get more info at cuofga.org. Credit Union of Georgia, the better way to bank. Welcome back to Cobb Life. Now we'll hear from Boone
2: Barnes, who served in the Air Force as a navigator. He used to navigate the C-141, where I conducted this entire set of interviews. And here's that conversation. What made you sign up for military service?
3: Well, I grew up basically uh, almost a military brat. My, My father served in the 8th Air Force in World War II. My mother was a DOD civilian employee for many years, worked at Homestead Air Force Base, Patrick Air Force Base, and then Moody Air Force Base in in, uh, South Georgia. I grew up basically with a military uh, frame of mind, I guess. It was
2: in your blood, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's the way I'd put it, I think, yeah.
2: (laughs) All right. When did you decide to enlist? Do you remember what you were doing, or were you drafted? Well, no,
3: I wasn't drafted. I... uh, I always basically intended to try to get in the Air Force. I wanted to be a pilot, so I wanted to finish college before I applied. I went to junior college in Miami where I grew up and went up to my last two years at Valdos Estate in South Georgia. When I finished college, I wanted to go back to Miami for about a year and work down there, so I found myself a job and uh, went to the recruiter, and the officer recruiting was in Coral Gables, Florida. And what, what year was this? This was uh, about 19, well, I graduated college in 72. Okay. So about 73 into 74 is when I went down and started talking to the recruiter. So he said, well, okay, you have to go take the officer qualifying test, have a physical. So I went and took the test, uh, went to Homestead Air Force Base, had a physical. Uh, He said it'd be a couple, several weeks maybe before I heard. And months went by. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kept going back to the recruiter, and I said, what, what's going on? What's going on?
2: So you were very anxious. So,
3: yeah. And uh, finally, he told me, uh, after many months, uh, he said, oh, there's a new test, and they want you to take this new test. Since it's been six months, they want you to take a new physical. So I went down to take the test. They opened up the test. I opened the book. It was the same test I would taken six months ago. <laughs> so I finished the test the second time, went right back to the recruiter. And I told him, you said there was a new test. That was the same test. And he said, oh, yeah, I was embarrassed. They lost your paperwork. I wanted to be down there about a year. I ended up down there quite a bit more than a year. Okay. So I didn't get in until 75. And this was, this was in Coral Gables? Yeah. Okay. So I, I went in in 75. And in the meantime, Vietnam had wound down. And the recruiter said, well, they're not taking any pilots in the Air Force right now. But you can go in as a navigator and then switch over and apply for pilot training. I said, okay, let's, I'll get my foot in the door. And so that's what I did. Went in as a navigator, went to Sacramento, California, and went to OTS first in Texas, then went to Sacramento at Mather Air Force Base to the NAV school. Fortunately, I got my- So, uh,
2: how, how long is uh, uh like a training for the, like a NAV school? What well,
3: OTS was about six months. Okay. And then NAV training was a year. After NAV training, I was fortunate enough I got my- First aircraft selection, which was a 141. First base of selection, which was Charleston, South Carolina. So I got stationed at Charleston. In the 141 world, you first have to go to after your training. You either pilot, navigator, loadmaster, engineer. Yeah, you have to go to Altus Air Force Base, Oklahoma, for three months. Oh wow! To learn the airplane. So I went to Altus for three months, then to Charleston. After all this training and schooling and whatnot. I decided after I got into the the NAV seat and and got traveling around the world that I was enjoying what I was doing. So I never did a pie for pilot training. So once you got in, you just kind of fell in love with
2: with that, basically? Yes. What what was it that you found that you enjoyed about it?
3: Well, one thing about this aircraft, the the C-141, we flew all over the world, whether it be during conflicts, as in the Yom Kippur War, or disaster relief, uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, um yeah, natural kn- disaster earthquakes. We would take in supplies and medical people. We went a lot of places, you know, a number of interesting things. Now where so
2: where were some of the places that you went to or did missions or uh
3: well I've been to Norway, Jordan, uh-huh. Saudi Arabia, Pakistan. So you're a well traveled man. <laughs> yeah, all over Africa, all over South America. Okay. Um now I was an East Coast crew that Charleston. We went to Europe, Middle East, mm-hmm. Africa, and South America. The West Coast bases went to Japan, Asia, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I did get, I got a trip to Japan, and they promptly deadhead us, deadheaded my crew. We just rode in the back of an airplane. Our, uh, yeah, so what does de- deadheading mean? You just ride like a passenger in the back. You're not crew. Oh, really? Crew. Okay. And so we deadheaded back on a C-5 through Hawaii, back to the States. My first time in Hawaii, it was in the middle of the night. We refueled and kept going, so I didn't, didn't see much. You didn't uh, see much of Hawaii? In fact, no. In fact, we, when we went to Japan, we got to Alaska, our crew. The command post said, we got a mission for you tomorrow. You're going to McGuire, New Jersey. And so we had to beg the guy. I said, well, we're an East Coast crew. We want to go to Japan or somewhere <laughs> uh, west. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the next morning they alerted us and we did go to Japan for a day and then we did head it back. Oh so you went to Japan for one day yes. and then you
2: came back? Yes, so I didn't get to see much of that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what well, how does your body like <laughs> how do you know what time zone you in? I mean, <laughs> how are you
3: functioning? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess you get kind of get used to it cuz yeah. I mean, that's that was our That was your that life. Was our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were kind of used to it. Okay.
2: So how long were you in the Air Force? I was in twenty years. Twenty years. I retired.
3: Okay. So when you retired, what did you get into after? I initially got into uh I ran a building materials warehouse over in Smyrna. Okay. For a year and then I went into real estate. Real estate? Real estate about 15 years. Okay.
2: And so when you left the Air Force, was it easy for you to transition from a military to a civilian life? And if it was or wasn't, did anybody help you make
3: the transition? It wasn't that hard for me, really. I mean, I, I did miss what I had been doing. The last... Six years, actually, all I did was schedule airplanes. I was stationed at Fort McPherson with the army. Oh, so you weren't actually flying by to that point. The other services. And
2: where were you based in those? And that's during that six years. At Fort McPherson. Fort McPherson. Okay. You know, being in the military, what were you say were some good habits or even some bad habits that you developed in the military, or what do you think it brought
3: to your everyday life? Well, I, I have two daughters. I was gone a lot. My wife basically raised the two kids. Basically, I For, mean, I was, obviously, I was home. And how
2: old sometimes. are your daughters now? They're in their forties. In their okay, they have. So you missed a now. significant
3: portion. Of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it could have been worse. I mean, I a lot of military guys are are gone at. Well, you said you were a military stretch. family, so you yeah. yeah. And uh, I I would go on one or two week trips and come back home. Okay. And when you were home, how long were you? A week or two again. So a lot of people would also have jobs either in the squadron or in the wing, and I did get jobs in the wing. So I was home, okay, uh, a bit, and did a lot of local flying. Uh-huh. We did a lot of local training in the South Carolina area. Okay, so I'd go out for a day and come back home, you know, the same day. So gotcha. Uh, at that point, I was not gone that much. Yeah. So what does Veterans Day mean to you? Well, I, I think it's a a time where the whole nation can celebrate or recognize Mm -hmm. the sacrifices that many if not all veterans make like me gone from their family for extended periods of time absolutely um you know we wouldn't have the freedoms we have today if it wasn't for our veterans i think yeah
0: hey remember the cash for clunkers program well through november as furnace season kicks into overdrive daco systems is bringing it back if your furnace or AC is well seasoned, this is the deal for you. If your old unit is 10 to 15 years old, get up to $250 cash. 16 to 20 years old, get up to $500 cash. 21 to 25 years old, get up to $750 cash. And if your old unit is 26 plus years old, you'll get up to $1,000 cash when you purchase a new furnace or AC unit. Call 770 209 2261 for more info or visit DACOSystems.com. It's Cash for Clunkers and Daco Systems is bringing it back. Get peace of mind and save big throughout November. Daco Systems, your premier train comfort specialist. Welcome back to Cob
2: Life. Now we'll hear from Floyd Brightman, who served over 21 years in the Navy, and here's that conversation. So, what made you what made you join the
7: Navy? In high school I was an auto mechanic. There was no chance of me getting any kind of college, maybe a technical school. But at that time, there was draft going on, and I didn't want to crawl around in the mud with a rifle. What I did was in my, right after my junior year, I joined the Naval Reserve for a year and then went on active duty to avoid going in the Army.
2: And to go into the Army? How long were you in the Navy?
7: 21 years, eight months, and 29 days. Not not that anybody's counting. (laughs) Exactly. Did you go over to Vietnam? No, I didn't. I was Vietnam era, but
2: I didn't go over. Okay. Where were some of the places that you had went while you were in the Navy?
7: Started out at Lakehurst, New Jersey. Went to Norfolk, Virginia. Went to Jacksonville for school twice. Went to Key West for helicopter school. Went to uh, New Orleans for four years. Alameda, California, four years back to Norfolk for another four years, and then retired out of Naval Air Station, Atlanta. When you look
2: back at your military career, how do you think it affected your life now, or what lessons or anything were you take about it? How's it impacted your life?
7: Well, it it was really a good experience because you get to meet new friends all the time. Uh You get to work with some real nice people, and you get to travel a little bit. And I was a Helicopter crewman for four years. Mm -hmm. I got to fly some, and it's just. Uh, So you you flew the helicopters? No, I was a crewman. Tell you about a qualification that uh, we had to do out there in Alameda was once a year you had to go in the water Uh and have somebody pick you up Uh and do that five times. Uh Well, we were we did first time I did it was we went to Frenchman's Lake, which was up about halfway up to the border of Oregon. Nice lake. And the second time we did it, we were in the San Francisco Bay, because we were right there on the bay. And I went in the water, the aircraft slows down 10 feet, 10 knots, and you jump out. Well, right after I jumped out, and the aircraft goes, and it makes a circle, comes around to pick you up, I felt something bump my leg. And I said, "Oh!" and you can't see that water, because it's all murk. And about two, three minutes later... I feel another bump in the leg, and I said oh what is this man it can't be a shark because the first time he's gonna look second time he's gonna eat you well it was a dolphin oh, wow. and he wanted to play oh my god so I've got to stroke him from his head all the way up to his dorsal fin and play with him well the aircraft came around and picked me up uh-huh. well I didn't tell my other crewman that there was a dolphin down there that wanted to play <laughs> he's in the water we start taking off to make our circle, and he's out there beating the water to a froth because he <laughs> thought it was something was going to eat him. Eat him. <laughs> he wasn't very
2: happy with me when I got him up. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't. Oh, my God. When you
7: think about Veterans Day now, what does it mean to you? It's just uh, it brings back memories. Mm-hmm. And plus, I get to meet a lot of people here at the museum that are yeah. veterans, and that helps out a whole bunch.
2: What are you doing now? I'm assuming you're retired from Lockheed, correct? Yes, sir. You just spend a lot of time with family. You have
7: grandchildren or? Yeah, I have a granddaughter that lives with me, and I work here two or three times. I've had teenagers come in here, say that they're going to go into the military, and I advise them to go to the Navy and the Air Force, and I've had uh, two of them that came in and they're going to the academy and they need references well by their attitude i could tell that they're enthused about it so i give my business card tell them if they need a recommendation to get a hold of me and i'll send it in yeah because if once they get in there they're going to get a free education and when they finish their their time they've got a career track already and it didn't cost them any they get paid to do you know do the job that they're doing? Yeah, yeah. And the schooling
2: is there. Uh, do you have any issues, or you know, or have you seen anything as far as any recruitment issues or getting people to
7: and to join the military? Or no, I was I I just do did a lot of counseling. Okay, in my last seven years and in you... the Navy, and that was part of it. I had to do reenlistment counseling. And you can't have a closed mind to that. you got to let them decide what they're going to do. Gotcha. You don't need to decide for them. And that works out very good here on the students, too. Just listen to them. Yeah, and let them what t- they have, have to, to, say, to say. And then tell them, you know, that's your decision, decision. not mine. I can't, I you know, can't I can tell give you some advice, but I can't tell you what you need to do. It's like my father always says, I can tell you what you're
2: going to do, but I know you're probably going to end up doing the opposite anyways.
7: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: This is Leah McGrath, your Ingalls Dietitian with a cooking tip. If you're planning on roasting meat or chicken or making a meatloaf, this is a great time to roast vegetables for your dinner as well cut up various vegetables like zucchini squash carrots white or sweet potatoes toss them with a little bit of olive oil and seasoning whatever seasoning you like and roast them on a sheet pan for about 15 to 20 minutes the last 15 to 20 minutes of your cooking time and enjoy them with your roasted meat dish for dinner
2: Welcome back to Cobb Life. Now we'll hear from Scott Majors who served in the Army. And here's that conversation. Why did you sign up to join the service?
6: To be real honest? Yeah. When I was 16, I was kind of headed down a funny road. And a judge and I came to a decision that uh, he gave me the option to join the military or he was going to send me to some school somewhere. (laughs) So so I opted for the military.
2: All right. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. What and what, uh, what branch were you in? I was in the army. So you're 16 years old. Was is it 18 that you went in, or was it the
6: day I turned 17?
2: I went down and signed up. Okay, and where was that? In Los Angeles, California. In Los Angeles, and how long was boot camp? Boot camp was I believe eight or nine weeks. Eight or nine weeks. It was a long time ago, my memory's aren't <laughs> that good. Do you have any story, any stories from boot camp? I, when I've talked with some family members at boot camp sometimes I always hear some crazy boot camp stories do you have anything you want to share or no
6: not really I was nine days past being 17 years old and so I was kind of kind of young and, and intimidated.
2: young and intimidating okay so you're you're just finishing up boot camp where was your next stop after that you were in Vietnam correct
6: Yes, yeah. I I I finished uh, boot camp at Fort Ord, California, up by Monterey. And then they sent me to quartermaster school in, I believe it was Fort Lee, Virginia. And then after that, I went to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, as part of the 6th Infantry Division. And then they shipped me out to Fort Richardson, Alaska. So how long were you in the service? Uh, just under four years. When you think
2: about back on your military service... What impact did it have on your day to life or how do you think it affected your, you know, your current life or anything, you know, lessons you could have taught from your military service?
6: Hey, the military really, really taught me how to be part of a, of a team and to follow orders, I guess you want to call them, you know, to, to have respect for those placed above you. And, and, and it, it it's really a, a life lesson, mm-hmm. something that your, your parents try to teach you. And when you're young, parents don't know anything yeah your parents only get smarter when they get older you know
2: exactly exactly so it sounded like it had a really good impact on you and it might have straightened your straighten you out you know considering what the judge told you right
6: absolutely (laughs) true i'd probably be in in jail or dead you know a long time ago so uh, yeah I, i i i really enjoyed it you know i spent two and a half years in vietnam and
2: uh do you do you want to talk about vietnam or no, no? I,
6: I was a uh a logistics specialist okay so i was not a, a an infantryman okay? gotcha gotcha you know we traveled a lot supported a lot of different organizations you know with whatever whatever they need and, you know today they say beans blankets and, and bullets you know yeah. so so it but it it, it worked out real well
2: when you came back home, what, what did you get into career-wise
6: afterwards? I was just looking for a job, you know, to, to do something. And and uh, I, I'd grown up in a machine shop, and I knew I didn't want to do that. I went to work for a restaurant out there, just give me something to do. Went to work for a motorhome manufacturer in 75, I guess it was, and uh, as a service manager, and worked there for four years until... Then I got hired on the Lockheed and spent almost 38 years at Lockheed.
2: So 30 years at Lockheed, can you talk about some of the things you worked at at Lockheed?
6: I can talk about some of the things I worked on. I grew up, as I say, with Lockheed in the skunk works, but my job, I got to break things. They actually pay me. I'm a structural test engineer by background. People say, hey, this airplane needs to flex up this much or down this much or whatever. And that's what we did. I've been been a part of many many programs over the years. Some like the the space shuttle program, the testing on the space shuttle program.
2: You did you worked on the space shuttle program? On the testing portion. What what were you doing for that? We were testing the structural
6: integrity of the vehicle. Wow. And how how long was that? It was what? quite a while. I got in on the back part of it. We, we built a, a a structure inside a building it was a little over six stories tall that we rolled the vehicle into and we attached hydraulic rams to it and we would push up pull down twist you know back and forth
2: and what what years were this this was in the late 70s late 70s that would have god i'm drawing a blank what shut or what was the ship what it year was, it,
6: was it? It, it, yeah yeah uh, was right, right right yeah. which is the one
2: we tested what does Veterans Day mean to you?
6: Now, today, when I came home from Vietnam, it was a, it was a completely different story. To be real honest, the, the lieutenant who processed us out at Fort Lewis, Washington, and what he told us was, I suggest you take your uniforms off before you get to the airport because people don't lock people in uniform. I did that. I'm not proud of myself for doing that. But, you know, you, you have to do what, what you have to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was, unfortunately, with what was happening in the world, then, I mean, you said you got to do what you got to do. I would think that Veterans Day, it means a lot to you that you can be proud of your military service and all the great things it does for people like Brad and I, who right. get to enjoy what the work that you guys have done.
6: To me, the the guys who went and fought in De- the Desert Storm and Desert Shield and all that, when they returned home... I think it was more more my generation that kind of pushed that because it was something we didn't get and we didn't want them to feel the same way we did. I mean, that's completely understandable. I mean,
2: you guys are making the ultimate sacrifice and, and, you know, with your family. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I can't be more appreciative for what you guys have done for the country.
1: It pays to know your doctor. It pays to know your lawyer. And now more than ever, it pays to know your local real estate professional. Hi. Home or new home your family deserves. A lot of real estate agents talk big. Let my team at Drake Realty prove they will fight for you. I'm Jeffrey Drake, and I'd be honored to have my team serve you. Visit us online at drakerealty.com. And remember, it's not how quick you sell or buy, it's what the deal provides for your future.
0: Check it out now at Hensler.com.
2: And with that, we wrap up another episode of Cobb Life. Thank you for listening this week. I hope you found my conversations with these veterans interesting. Remember to mark your calendar for every Sunday as we bring you more captivating conversations from Cobb County. So I'm Keith Ippolito, your host representing the BGA
1: Group. Until then, take care and farewell. Thanks for listening to the Cobb Life Sunday podcast. Be sure to listen all week long for local news from the Marietta Daily Journal. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.